Hello, and welcome to Not a Couple, a Will and Grace podcast. I'm Matthew. I'm Tess. And this week we are covering Season 5, Episode 24, the season finale of Season 5, Will and Grace. And don't worry, folks, that's literally what the episode is called, Season Finale. Yeah, it's uh, its official title is 24. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, on the Hulu, it actually says Season Finale, which is kind of nice that it has something, you know. On the Hulu? Yeah, on the Hulu. That's like people who say, like, I'm smoking the pot. Well, we're not smoking the pot, we're but we doing... are watching on the Hulu. We're watching on Hulu? You're watching on the Hulu. A proper noun. Like, would you say the Netflix? Well, I would in this scenario, because I'm trying to be cool. Okay, please cease and desist. <laughs> You're going to get a letter from Netflix and Hulu. That's not very nice. Anyways. Um, so this week we are talking about um, the end of the season. Yes. We're excited to be here. Um, it's been a pretty good season, I guess. He's not very confident about that. <laughs> well, let's jump into the episode, because I think this episode is kind of a good capper for the season. All right. Uh, season 5, episode 24, the season finale. Karen confronts her ex-husband's mistress, guest star Minnie Driver, before inviting her friends aboard her extravagant yacht for a somber ceremony. Grace gets jealous of her husband's guest star Harry Connick Jr., sexy co-worker, guest star Nicholas Sheridan. Deborah Harry also... Go- That's the end of the description. On Hulu. <laughs> <laughs> also, Deborah Harry does not guest star in the Hulu episode. No, She's in the... Okay, so this is like last week's episode. Um, was originally like a supersized episode, but then weirdly like the syndication licensing, including for the Hulu. And also the DVD release. Yeah. Doesn't include all of that. Right. So like there would have literally been no legal way for us to watch the entire episode. Right. But it's funny that they put in Deborah Harry guest starring the episode, but they also don't because like they clearly hit their character limits. <laughs> so De- Deborah Harry... G- but I guess that's kind of an interesting way of segueing into the fact that this episode felt very, I don't want to say unfinished, but like half an episode. Yeah. And um, knowing that we didn't get the supersized cut, knowing what we missed, because we have the mm-hmm. Google machine, um, it doesn't feel like any of that stuff would have really filled in the the missing piece that we were sensing the whole episode. Yeah. Like this episode really kind of, it, it very clearly naturally sits between two episodes. Yes. I will I will give it that. It is clearly a segue out of the penultimate episode that we just mm-hmm, watched last mm-hmm, week. Mm-hmm. And it is a segue into Cliffhanger for season six. Yeah. Um, but Will and Grace has had episodes like that before that haven't felt as like empty or hollow as this one is. I don't know. I feel like maybe part of it is literally just because there is such a big cliffhanger at the end that mm-hmm. you're just waiting with anticipation. Yes. Well, it just, it feels like it could also be like, like, it feels like because we had, we know there is a supersized episode, like, it feels like there should have been some of this episode packed into the episode before, or some of this packed into the episode after, and that cliffhanger should have been different. I don't know. Like... I mean, I feel like the cliffhanger itself is extremely strong. I would disagree with you there. I think the cliffhanger is strong, but I feel like the cliffhanger would be stronger if somehow it segued out of the previous, I don't know. No. There's just not enough in this episode. There's not enough meat on its bones. Yeah, I feel like one of the things that this episode maybe could have hit a little bit harder is something we're going to talk about more in depth later, but really like the, the, like aftershocks of Stan's will, Mm -hmm. I think that it's like, it's somehow the plot without being central. Yes. You know? There are three plots in this episode. There's a Karen plot line. There's a Grace plot line, and then there's a Will and Jack plot line. Yes. So the Karen plot is basically the main plot. Mm-hmm. For, it's 
I would say it's the A plot. Okay. For lack of a better description, it's the yeah, A plot. Yeah, they each kind of get equal weight, but Karen's is sort of like the, well, I would say it's the titular plot, but there isn't really a title. <laughs> like, Well, it's driving the episode. Karen's plot is the most 24 of the plots. Right. <laughs> um... So it basically we we have like two or three like different sequences in this episode. Basically, we're very shortly after the funeral. Karen is kind of you know talking to her friends and basically saying like, okay, I need to go bury Stan's ashes in the Caribbean mm-hmm. um, on his yacht. So they decide they're going to go on a cruise to the Caribbean. Right. Um, we also get a nice little uh, wave, hand wavy explanation as to why Grace is no longer going to Guatemala. Right. Um, because essentially. Karen describes, like, what yachting to St. Bart's will be like. And Grace is just like, we'll have that in Guatemala, right? And the answer is literally always no. Right. I mean, it's just, it takes longer than we said it should when we were talking about last week's episode. But literally, Grace thinks about going to Guatemala and realizes she shouldn't go to Guatemala. It's like she took, like, 30 whole seconds to realize that Guatemala was just... I mean, she's going to be, like, she would have been staying with Doctors Out Borders. That's like she'd have been sleeping, like, in a mosquito net Uh in a tent, probably. Like. She would not have been on a yacht to St. Bart's. Um, but so then we go to the boat. Yes. And we actually have a, a really long series of sequences on the boat. I mean, it's clearly like a real boat. Like, we're not doing a soundstage thing. Um, there's actually some really interesting cinematography that we get as a result of being out in the wild. Um, you know, like, there's like kind of an off-boat camera. Um, so that's sort of fun. Yeah. Um, and so the, the point that we're really coming to with the boat is that we're here to scatter Stan's ashes, mm-hmm. which are apparently so large that they take up not one, but two popcorn tins. I thought that was a very underrated joke. <laughs> um, I, I think it's interesting, though, because, like, there's, like, a funny element to the plot, which is eventually Minnie Driver comes back into the mix. Right. And continues to interact with Karen. But I think there's kind of like an undertone here of Karen just like pushing through being sad. Yeah, it's she seems to sort of have this very celebratory air about her. Mm-hmm. And it kind of carries over a little bit from last week when she was like vengefully trying to find out what she was going to get out of the will. Right. But then we do sort of have this sober moment when she's um, about to scatter the ashes and she kind of sends the others away mm-hmm. because she's like, I think I have to do this by myself. Right. And she's like, what am I going to do without you, Stan? And mm-hmm. you sort of realize that like, despite the fact that Karen is essentially a cartoon character, mm-hmm. she will miss her spouse. Well, and also, you know, this is a woman who has, for the entirety of the season, has been dealing with her feelings about being divorced. Right. You know? like, so that, that adds like another more complicated layer. Right. Like she's very angry at him. Mm-hmm. But he's also dead now, so she feels like she can't have those feelings. Right. You know, I mean, I think I think the episode is kind of coasting along on some of that subtext instead of playing it out as much as it probably should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's what I'm missing, you know? Like, we could make some of that subtext text. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also Minnie Driver returns. Last we saw her was at the beginning of this episode when she was smuggling valuables out on her person, including what appeared to be a very large diamond necklace that she was trying to smuggle out in her vagina. And apparently a diamond tiara, which she successfully smuggled out with her butt. I think if you smuggle out a tiara with your butt, you get to keep it. Those are the rules. You have to sell the tiara to pay for the bowel perforations. So, you know. It depends on how pointy it is. And I mean, I'm assuming she did not get the entire tiara up her butt. I'm That's assu- a good point. I didn't think about that. I'm assuming she got like a prong of it right. up and her butt. Right, and then she the like, other prong like, over C-shape her cheek. Right, and then she it over her cheek. 
Maybe. Yeah, that could very that could work. I yeah. just I feel like also that would just be very dangerous. She would definitely perforate a bowel. See, I guess I thought she was kind of like straining it out, or like she bent it to ooh, like no no bend with her bowel. Ooh, this hurts my butt. <laughs> this hurts my butt. No, let's just all assume she C shaped it up her ass. Okay. If she'd been wearing underwear, it might have been simpler. To be honest, she couldn't have <laughs> stolen a pair of underwear while she was stealing all the valuables. It's a crazy, crazy world. Anyways, so Minnie Driver appears because she stowed away on the yacht. Mm-hmm. By allowing Driver to stow away in her capri pants, which makes me a bit worried about his ticker. I just... Yeah. Also, that was a really weird phrase because it didn't immediately... Like, it clearly was, I had sex with Driver and that's how I got on this boat. But, like, stowing away in her capri pants makes it sound like he's just wearing them? Like, maybe he just climbed in them with her? Yeah, or, like, they're wearing them together because she's got really roomy capris. I I mean, he's a pretty small man also, so it's not that strange of a visual because she's a very tall person mm-hmm. like he could feasibly like kind of be tucked like kangaroo pocket like he could the wear front. them like regular pants too i mean like maybe he's just really interested in wearing women's pants and not actually sleeping with them and karen's the one who's made the mistake here she's never seen this side of driver she's never cared to ask <laughs> okay. but probably they had sex all right but so she shows up and then she and karen actually have a tender moment mm-hmm. over they were talking about Stan and and Mini Driver brought his favorite toupee to scatter alongside his mm-hmm. ashes and then she sort of frisbees it out to sea and she's like wow you can really get a lot of a lot of air on that thing and I have to give Will and Grace credit for throwing the toupee out to sea but then still having the shot of the toupee landing sadly in the water <laughs> comedy gold it was beautiful. Not I, sure if it was intentional at all. I don't care. Or if someone in the editing room was just really lazy. But I loved it. I loved it so much. It was beautiful. And I feel like that, that plot line is really beautiful, but then like goes to like a weird ending when they start fighting over the money. Right. So essentially Karen trying to kind of be nice is like, I hear you've probably fallen on some hard times since Stan didn't give you anything. Can I do anything to help? And she's like, you could give me some money. Right. And then Karen's like, fuck no. Also, right. fuck you. And then they just run around the boat until Mini Driver pushes her off the boat. Right. And then Rosario jumps in after her. That's right. it. That's the whole plot. Speaking of Rosario, I have to tell you my favorite part of this, which is when Rosario is playing um, Amazing Grace on the bagpipes <laughs> uh, as they're about to scatter Stan's ashes. And right. I also have an amazing story about Amazing Grace on the bagpipes. Well, please tell us your story. Tess. Okay. So when I was about 20, I um, my childhood dog, he was a collie, his name was Tiger. He was about 15. He was getting really old and really sick. And so we really thought, you know, the vet's going to tell us we got we to gotta put him down. So mm-hmm. we, we load him up in the back of my mom's car and we're right. driving. And as we're driving to the vet, Amazing Grace on the bagpipe starts playing. And so then... From where? From the radio. <laughs> and so the radio What radio is, station are you listening I to? I have no idea. And so we're listening to this and I'm crying and my mom's crying and my dad's crying. We're all crying. We're petting the fucking dog. Then we get to the vet and the vet's like, oh, you know what? He just, he's got arthritis. And he, like, gave him a shot of, like, prednisone or whatever. And then he was fine. And he lived for another three months. (laughs) And so we all had this intensely emotional moment with Amazing Grace. It was probably good for you to get some of that out, though, early. Yeah, but anyways, so Tiger lived for a couple months longer. Good for you, Tiger. He was a good boy. Rest in peace, Tiger. R.I.P. Tiger. (laughs) But yeah, every time I heard that, I immediately went, oh, my God, Tiger. (laughs) So I will always think of that when I hear Amazing Grace on the bagpipes. So thank you, Rosario, (laughs) who is also in heaven with my dog. (laughs) (laughs) The other, like, bigger plot this episode is um, the continuation of one from last week again, 
Mm-hmm. So in the end of last week's episode, Grace and Leo decide to go to Guatemala together. Which, as we've previously mentioned, is a horrible idea. Right. But because the show doesn't know when it's got a good thing, <laughs> it can't just send Leo away to Guatemala and be done with it. No. Or it's... have Grace break up with Leo for going to Guatemala no. after just going to Africa. Or even leave it at Karen calling Leo Lars and then shipping him off to Guatemala. No, instead Lars's co-worker Danny Morty has been hot, hot, hotty McHotterson Nicolette Sheridan the entire fucking time. I just want a, a linguistic sidebar. I don't think anyone who hadn't abbreviated their name with an I on the end, but also has a last name with an I on the end, has ever done so. Well, I mean, clearly Morty would have a Y at the end. I just mean, it sounds ridiculous. It does. Like, it makes you sound like like an actual cartoon character. Like, hi, my name's Dr. Danny Morty. Like, no, that sounds dumb. Like, she would clearly go by Danielle. Right. Like, that doesn't make sense. Right. But, so, anyways, shocker, it turns out that Leo's co-worker who's been doing all this traveling with him has been a sexy woman and not an old man the entire time. And so, naturally, Grace becomes, like, extremely concerned about this. Right. Which is not helped by the fact that Jack is just running around being like, I would die! (laughs) Which... God bless Jack. God bless Jack. But... This episode does kind of seem focused on the idea that two people who work in close proximity or live in close proximity who are sexually attracted to the same gender as each other cannot be... Or opposite genders in this case. Right. Cannot be friends. Yeah, and, like, it's just... Like, the show really hammers home on it. Like, we see Grace being really, really insecure. But we also see Lars being kind of a dick about it. Mm-hmm. Like, frankly, if, like, I'm not saying that, like, you have to assume that your wife needs coddling or anything like that. But in general, if you work with someone who could potentially have been a sex partner of yours, it's way weirder if you don't tell your wife. Well, and it's just, it's weird to go off. It's weird just in general to go off on a long trip for a long time with someone who you have been deliberately misleading your partner right. about. Yeah, like, that's that's the part that's shady. It's that clearly Leo intentionally did not explain to Grace that Danny Morty was right. not a dude. But the thing is, the show, like, refuses to acknowledge that Leo is a bad dude. No, it kind of makes it seem like Grace is crazy, and Grace is not crazy to be right. upset about this. And then, like, in the end, so... Grace is portrayed as crazy the entire episode about this because she's all been out of shape because Danny Morty is going with Lars to Guatemala. Right. And then at the end of the episode, somehow Lars has forgotten his bag. Which On the boat. would with... not happen. Yeah, so he's forgotten his entire bag because apparently he was dropping Grace off and then immediately going to the airport. I right. So while they're halfway to the Caribbean, she's like, oh, this bag that he left and then never contacted me about is here. And then she finds a note from Dr. Danny Morty confessing her love for her husband. Yeah. And it's like... Okay, so just to be clear, Will and Grace writers, Lars is going to Guatemala with a doctor who he's kept a secret from his wife. And then she's in love with and him. And she's in love with him. But you've manipulated the situation. So, so only the people who aren't Lars are crazy and at fault. Yeah. Just no. to be clear. No, that, I'm, I'm really sorry. I appreciate you, Will and Grace writers. I think you've done some miraculous things. This is not one of them. It's just, it's frustrating because it makes both of them look wrong. Like, Grace is crazy for assuming that Lars would make out with Dr. Morty. And Dr. Morty is crazy because she's clearly, like, rabidly in love with him. Right, but, like... 
frankly, the person who's actually at fault is Leo. Because right. if he had just communicated to Grace, oh, yeah, Danny, my my doctor partner, is is a woman, mm-hmm. and introduced them. Like, frankly, I also think it's weird that they're such close co-workers who've worked in close proximity, and yet she's never met Leo's wife. Like, frankly, I would, if I were married to someone and they refused to let me meet their co-worker, I would find that sketchy. Right. Regardless of gender. Right. I wouldn't even assume they were cheating. I would just assume something sketchy was going on. Well, and the thing is, like, there's nothing inherently wrong with Dr. Morty wanting to have sex with Leo. Right, but I mean, Leo's married. There's That's that's one level there. I'll right. give you that. But, like, the fact that Leo's been kind of cagey about it is right. what makes it icky for me. Well, and, like, there's nothing wrong with her being in love with him. And there's not even as much wrong with her making an advance on him. The problem is if he accepts that advance. Right, and because he's been cagey about her existence, we don't really have any proof to assume that he wouldn't. Right. We we know almost nothing about this man, despite the fact that he has been married to Grace for an entire half season. Right, because and has been on the show for an entire season. He's been mostly gone. Right. The, like, the longest he spent with Grace is the time period before they got married. Right. And it's weird that the show doesn't think that's a problem. Right. But even whether or not the show thinks it's a problem, it leaves us as the viewer genuinely believing that there's no reason why he wouldn't cheat on Grace with this other person. Right. It, it sort of... And it sort of... For, for those of you who've watched the entire series, it foreshadows some shit that goes down later. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's not even... Like, we leave it on a cliffhanger where Grace tells Driver to drive them to Guatemala on right. their boat. But it's not even a cliffhanger because clearly... Either he is sleeping with her. Or he's not. Or he's not. Right. There's only two options. But either way, it doesn't bode well for Grace and Leo. You right. Know, somehow this will either end or imperil their relationship. Right. And the thing that is sort of frustrating is because this show does demand a certain um, suspense of disbelief sometimes. Mm-hmm. But this, to me, as a viewer, as a person who um, respects the idea that when you're in a monogamous relationship, you're in a monogamous mm-hmm. relationship... Leo's entire behavior here is gross. Mm-hmm. And to me, no solution to this is going to fix the problem. Right. Either he doesn't sleep with her, but he still lied to Grace. Right. Or he does sleep with her, and then he lied to Grace twice. Right. Like, like it feels like it feels like this plot line has a foregone conclusion, not just because this is a sitcom, and, you know, they're eventually going to break up all these partnerships, but mm-hmm. it, it just feels like the kind of thing where, like, we are seeing what kind of person Leo is. And it's not the kind of person that either A, Grace should be with, or B, Grace will be with. Right. And I mean, for, I mean, you've seen the revival. So even mm-hmm. without talking about like spoilery stuff that happens in the rest of the proper series, we know that Leo and Grace become divorced in the future. Mm-hmm. And we know that Leo attributes part of that to Grace's close relationship with Will. And we can see here why he would do that because he's projecting his own dishonest and emotionally distant behavior onto Grace. What a lovely analysis. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, to me, it seems like he's seeing these behaviors in himself, but rather than take ownership and explain right. and attribute that to one of the reasons why their marriage fails, he instead puts that on Grace and saying, oh no, it was because you were always too close to Will. Right. If you weren't so close to Will, we'd have made it work. He says, having gotten too close to other people, causing the relationship to not work. Exactly. So that'll be something fun to explore next season. Yeah. And I'm genuinely interested in it. I don't think that it's bad in and of itself for Grace to be married to a romantic partner who does not fit her. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's a bad narrative I choice. I actually think for a sitcom it's a really interesting choice to have someone be married to someone who they don't they aren't naturally compatible with. Mm-hmm. And I think that that could 
that could really lend itself to some really interesting plots right. about negotiating that relationship and trying to make right. it work and seeing if it is even workable. But knowing this show and having seen the entirety of it, I also know that it does kind of take the easy way out here. Right. Precisely what is foreshadowed here happens. Well, you know? the other thing is, like, <laughs> the show, it doesn't seem confident. Or the show, it doesn't, I don't feel confident that the show is coming at it from that perspective at all. Yeah. I don't feel confident that the show is trying to tell us Grace is in this relationship, but don't worry, it's not with someone who's a good fit for her. And right. we're going to demonstrate that by comparing to her relationship with Will. I mean, I'm not saying every episode of every sitcom needs to be like a didactic example of, you know, whatever the themes of the sitcom are. Right. But the show is so clearly separated from this model we're proposing mm-hmm. that we know it's not going to happen. Right. I think part of that is sort of attributable to... I've seen an interview where one of the showrunners was talking about how when they initially pitched the show, they deliberately infused the show with the tension that maybe Will and Grace would end up together, despite the fact that that was never going to happen. Right. And this seems like one of the prime examples where when they're butting Will and Grace's perfect, in quotes, relationship up against Grace and Leo's, Grace and Leo's looks worse by right. comparison. But the thing is, it looks worse by comparison because Leo is kind of a garbage partner. Right. And that's not Will's fault, mm-hmm. and nothing that Will and Grace do in their relationship makes Leo a crappy partner. Right. It's Leo not trying to meet Grace's needs, mm-hmm. and Grace not knowing enough about this person to try and meet him halfway. Right. Well, and I, I think, genuinely, I think Will and Grace's relationship has improved over the course of the show, although I'm not sure if that's an argument that the show itself thinks it's making. Mm-hmm. And I think that Grace's ability to pick partners has also improved since the beginning of the show. Right. Partly as a result of her own personal growth through working her relationship with Will. Mm-hmm. She's still really bad at it, as we can see from the fact that we have so many issues with Lars. Right. Lars um, sucks. That's half of my notes on this episode is just Lars sucks. <laughs> but, you know, like, we can see progress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, that's... Lars and Leo are the same person, and they both suck. Oh, well. And Grace and Leo will continue to do their thing in the next season. Ugh. All right. To so be continued in Guatemala. Shall we get to the meat and potatoes of this episode? I don't think this is the meat and potatoes of the episode. Okay, maybe it's more like the the pumpkin pie after the dinner. Yeah. Like, but I love it. See, but I don't love pumpkin pie. But I do love this. <laughs> <laughs> so the third plot of this episode is this kind of... And, and this is, I think, something Will and Grace is actually doing really intentionally. Yes. Um, based on an offhand comment from the Will reading last episode, mm-hmm. Will and Jack spend this whole episode in this kind of existential panic about the idea that they might be endgame. Yeah. Because Stan believed that they were endgame and wanted them to get married and gave them $20,000 to get married. Which, again, is ridiculous because Jack's dress would cost $15,000. Exactly. But, regardless. The, the thing is that... This idea is ridiculous Mm -hmm. on every level. It's ridiculous the amount of money. It's a ridiculous thing for Stan to think based on any interactions with either of them. Right. But it completely gets into Will and Jack's brain. Right. It kind of derails them completely because it totally psychs them out. Right. Like, they they already act like they are kind of a married couple sometimes. Mm -hmm. But it's really turned up to 11 in this episode. Right. Like, they have, like, some catty back and forth at the very end of the funeral. There's this bit where literally Jack is on his third glass of wine and Will's like, is that your third glass of wine? And it's just so catty and so married that, like, they both kind of, like, freak out about it. And then when they're on the boat, Will, like, tries to, like, apply sunscreen to Jack's back and Jack, like, just super defensive. He's just like, you're trying to come on to me! Yeah, and, like... Will is accurately, kind of accurately, like, this is ridiculous. I caused Stan to die. 
Then I got us to go on this boat so I could rub sunscreen on your back. Like, ooh, that's my diabolical plan. But, like, you can kind of see how, like, like their whole dynamic completely shifts in this episode to this, like, will they or won't they thing. Right, which, which is, is not their natural habitat. No. I and mean, so they're very out of the woods here. Yeah, the show does genuinely sometimes, like, play with the idea that Will and Jack would fit together. Right. Because it doesn't know what to do with them sometimes. Like, right. Like, can't have them date other people. Because we can't seriously take the possibility that two gay men would find we love. We can't have four gay men on TV. Right. There's already two of them. There's already two gay men on this show. Like, <laughs> we can't add another one. Oh, my God. Standards and practices would lose their minds. Right. So the show, like, does kind of play with this idea. And this is the most seriously it's ever taken it. Right. Um, and it's not inherently a bad idea. I mean, like, right. lots of sitcoms pair up the characters on the show. Right. I mean, like, it... If the show committed to it, it could very much be like a, a Chandler Monica mm-hmm. sort of aha moment where two characters that you didn't really see going together actually work out very well. Except it's so, the characters have been so clearly sketched as characters who wouldn't get together. Right. And that's the thing is they are too well defined by this point to mm-hmm. just smoosh them together because they're the only gays that the show knows. And in, in a certain sense, they're defined by the fact that they have each on separate occasions chosen not to reciprocate the other's feelings. Right. We've seen this on multiple occasions. In Lowe's in the mid-80s, there's a moment where uh, Will is like a baby gay is trying to like come on to Jack because he's the only gay he knows. Sort of. And kind then there's, of. there's another, it's like he's not even out yet, so he's mm-hmm. like kind of hitting on him, but he doesn't really know what he's doing. Right. And there's also that moment later in that episode where it's like the one year later moment, mm-hmm. and Jack is like listing off things that they need for Thanksgiving, and he's like, also, I love you. Yeah, right. And Will's like, what? And I think we even, I think this might have been in the revival where we have a moment it, I think it was the revival where um, Will is saying to Jack that he realized that he could either have a quick hookup with Jack and never see him again. I think that is the revival. Or have a best friend for life. And so he chose not to pursue Jack yeah. sexually because he valued their friendship too much. And it's That's basically the way their relationship has been presented throughout. Like, mm-hmm. Jack is the kind of person who has quick hookups. Will is not. Yeah. And having a quick hookup with Jack would ruin their relationship. Right. So like, regardless of which person has been pushing it... We've always kind of had this, well, it wouldn't work because we want different things. Right, exactly. Now, and I do think that the revival has relifted the issue again in last right. season. It's played with it a bit, but also, it's played with it, but it's also sort of played with it in this way where it's never going to happen because in mm-hmm. both situations, Jack has been with someone else, kind of. Right. It's kind of going both ways at this point in the revival because, like, we have Jack in a really serious relationship for the first time. Right. Which could be, like, a complete blindside setup for them to get together. Right. But on the other hand, we just had that really great episode with Matt Bomer mm-hmm. where Will explicitly identifies that Jack is his friend and he wouldn't do this to his friend. Yes. Like, it's kind of... The revival feels especially like it's running on parallel tracks here. And maybe mm-hmm. this is something we want to talk about next week where it is much more successfully straddling the line between, like, Will and Jack are endgame and Will and Jack are good friends and would never get together. Yeah. Um, Also, like, just to speak from personal experience of having been, like, one of only two queers out of the friend group, Mm -hmm. I've been... Um, so once upon a time I dated someone mm-hmm. and we dated for a brief while when we were very, very young. And then later in life we reconnected as friends. And then one of our mutual friends that we'd known since fifth grade was like, why aren't you two together? And so this the, isn't me. No, it's not Matthew. It's a friend of mine. <laughs> right. I don't want to say names because privacy and all mm-hmm. that. 
Um, but she and I then basically, it, it psyched us out to the point where then all of a sudden she's like, I'm in love with you. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my God, I don't reciprocate. But then we kind of started to date anyways. Right. And it crashed and burned our entire friendship. We no longer speak. And that feels like what's kind of, real, what it's building towards in this episode. Because as the final result of this plot line, Will and Jack get super drunk, yes. black out, and wake up in bed together the next morning. And it is implied that they are nude. We know they're yes. not wearing shirts. Yes. They're, they're almost certainly nude. Yes. If they're not nude dumb. They're at least mostly in the Caribbean by now. They're probably going to be very warm. Right. And so this is where we leave the episode off is they both wake up, they realize they're in bed together, they're mm. presumably nude, and then right. they both kind of scream. Yes. Because that <laughs> is... Drowning out the foghorn, which is a lovely That is the touch. appropriate reaction to waking up in bed with your BFF who you didn't want to be sleeping with, but now you're kind of sleeping with. Right. Um, not dating them for several <laughs> months. Well, Just as a, di- as a learning moment for all of you listeners. As a full disclaimer, this is one of the few things from uh, Classic Will and Grace that I knew was coming. I feel like we saw, like, part of this episode once at I a gay bar. I, yes, and then I feel like when they did the um, pre-revival clip show, this was one of the clips that right. they showed. So I knew that this moment was coming. Like, as soon as you see that, like, they're on a boat. Like, it's like, right. oh, this is the episode This where, is the episode where they wake up yeah. together on a boat. But he, the thing is, like, I was actually genuinely surprised that, considering some of the other problems we had with other parts of this episode... The build-up to this was really organic and natural. Yeah, it was very organic. We see them slowly get kind of more and more psyched out Mm -hmm. and then try to alleviate that tension by getting really, really drunk. And once they get really drunk, they're like super chill about it and they're just like hanging out and being friends. And singing Crocodile Rock and missing... Ignoring Karen getting thrown (laughs) in the water. Missing Karen getting thrown off the boat completely. Like, it, it feels organic that based on the foreshadowing from the previous episode... Their actions earlier in the episode, and then them getting completely drunk that this would happen. Yes. Like, it seems very obvious that all the other times they've gotten really drunk, they would never have hooked up. Mm-hmm. But it's all of these added bits that have been tacked on. Right. The seed has been planted, and mm-hmm. it's just sort of snowballed out of control. Right. And I think, like, the show isn't set up for them to have, like, a friends with benefits situation. Um, this is still 2004. We're not prepared for that yet. Right. I mean... How I Met Your Mother premieres, like, the year after this, and it still takes them, like, four seasons to mm-hmm. get to Robin and Ted hooking up Friends with Benefits. Right. The only time you ever hear about Fuck Buddy is on TV at this point is, I believe, on Sex and the City, which is an HBO show. Mm-hmm. So you have to have that premium cable to hear the term Friends with Benefits or right. Fuck Buddies. Right. I mean, Joey and Phoebe hooking up for the entirety of Friends is entirely, like, sub-subtext. Still. But it's definitely happening, and right. I will read you... I will write you an entire paper on the fact <laughs> that that's clearly happening. Like, so... We know from the cultural context of this episode that the idea of them just hooking up casually because they're two gay friends who are single is not an option. Right. So this cliffhanger is not just like a, oh no, they might have had sex. It's, oh no, are they going to date now? Right. Or like, oh no, is this going to ruin their relationship? Right. Because the way the show was setting this up is that if they did have sex, dating or ruining their relationship Mm -hmm. are their only options. Right. And from what we've seen of the revival so far, it seems clear that the show does go with the third option, which is that either they actually didn't sleep together or they did sleep together and it's fine. Like they just move on with their lives, you know? And that's kind of great. I mean, I'm excited to see exactly the details of how it goes as someone who hasn't seen it before. But I kind of like that, that like these two friends can just have this weird experience and be like, oh my God, do you remember that time we either slept together or almost slept together? Mm -hmm. I mean, like you and kind of have an experience like that mm-hmm. um so when we were very young right before i went off to college my right. mother being the saint that she is decided <laughs> that she needed to let me get absolutely shit-faced with my friends right so that i did not 
die mm-hmm. in college, basically. She even made us jello shots. It was beautiful. Oh, I haven't had jello shots in a long time. So Matthew and I and another friend of mine who I later dated because right. I dated everyone in our friends. Because friend you're group. a disaster, right? I, yeah, Carry I'm on. a disaster by. I dated everyone. Um... <laughs> All got really, really drunk. And so this is the situation. The other friend had a crush on me. Matthew and I had broken up about a year ago, and I still had squishy feelings for him. We just had, like, complete residual nightmare feelings. Right. Matthew was gay, but didn't really want to admit that he was gay. Right. So my thing was, like, I'm sort of attracted to the other friend, but maybe I'm just feeling attracted to Tess. Yes. so, So, like, I'm transferring my sexual attraction to that person to you. Yep. And so then we got really, really drunk, and we made out. Right. And it was super awkward. And then we had to, like... Do a whole debrief at a Dairy Queen, and it was weird. It was really weird. I remember very specifically you being like, I can't really get into a relationship right now. And I was just like, is that even an option? (laughs) I didn't think that was an option. I just thought we needed to chat so we could still be friends. Like, But anyways. I really couldn't get into a relationship right then. Because you, and then you were like, ha, 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 I work for the Marquette Tribune, and we put out twice a week. (laughs) Get it? Didn't you immediately pivot off making out with me to making out with uh, our other friend, though? Not immediately, but within the same summer, yes. Oh, okay. I just because meant, like, I'm imagining, like, you, like, making out with me and be like, no, and then rolling over and making out no, with him. No, that's not what happened. <laughs> he was very grumpy because he had squishy feelings for me. Right. And so then he proceeded to tell me when we were hungover and floating in my parents' pool the next right, day. Right, because then he wouldn't leave. That, and then he wouldn't leave. And I remember texting you being like, I know we're kind of in a weird place, but I need you to help me make him leave. <laughs> and you were just like, I'm at the orthodontist right now. <laughs> I feel like there's nothing more foreshadowing of our future relationship than us making out while drunk, us leaving, us not resolving that issue, and you still texting me to be like, help, this other friend won't leave. This is worse. This is worse than everything that's happening with us. Everything about that was bad. This is still worse. (laughs) But yeah. And so then I dated the other friend for a little while and... And that didn't work out. It didn't work out. So what you're saying is between dating that friend and making out with me that one time, making out with me was better. I mean, we do have a long-lasting and beautiful relationship. Score. Huzzah. Score one for the hetero card. (laughs) It's the only time that card's ever been punched. All right. I think that's all we have to talk about this episode. Yeah, it was a really fun and interesting and strange season. Mm -hmm. But uh, we'll be able to debrief more of that next week because, as a reminder, we're Doing a bonus episode? Yeah. So our plans for the bonus episode are, um, since we're a couple episodes into the revival and we haven't talked about it a lot on the show, and we want to take a second to look back at season five, um, we're going to kind of do both. So it's going to be a little bit thinking about season five as a whole, thinking about the plot lines, the new characters that we got, um, and then comparing that to the revival, which is playing with some of those same themes. Right. There's a lot of parallel tracks happening, including like... Stan and Karen working on a divorce. Mm-hmm. And, and like the complicated nature of Will and Jack's friendship. And then the complicated nature of Will and Grace's relationship mm-hmm. as Grace gets into a new relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, all of those things are things that you can look forward to next week. Uh, and then after that bonus episode next week, we are going to do on a hiatus for the holidays. For the halls. Uh, we'll probably be off for at least a month. Probably. Uh, we need a little bit of time to, you know, get cozy, deal with the seasonal affective disorder. Yep. You know, that whole thing. But I would say by the end of January at the latest, you should be getting new episodes of Will and Grace. Fresh, not a couple. 
All right, Tess. Before we head out, do you want to tell everyone where they can find us on social media during the hiatus? All right. So if you want to find us, our main social media is our Twitter page. We are at Not A Couple Show. In addition to tweets about our new episodes of the podcast, we also live tweet all of the episodes of The Revival. Um, so should we beat them back or vice versa, should they beat <laughs> us back, you can see all of our live tweets there and all of our thoughts and feelings. Um, we always use the hashtag Will and Grace. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, if you want to find us other places, we're on Facebook, we're on Tumblr, and episodes of this podcast can be listened to on iTunes and Podbean. All right. Thanks so much for listening to us uh, this week, everybody. We'll be back next week with one last episode for Season 5 of Not a Couple and Will and Grace. I'm Matthew. I'm Tess. And this has been Not a Couple. Bye-bye. This episode of Not a Couple was recorded in front of a live studio audience of one cat. Eliza, do you have a hairball? <coughs> this episode of Not a Couple was brought to you by Karen Walker Caribbean Cruises. Join us on our yacht where you can hook up with the driver, hook up with your cheating husband in Guatemala, or hook up with your best friend. All with a tiara right up your butthole. Aww.